Welcome back to Pierre Pressure Podcast. Thank you for listening. On this episode, I talked to Timo Ellis. He's a really fascinating musician. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He plays bass, guitar, keyboards, drums. He sings. He records everything in his studio. He's a solo artist. He's also played with a ton of great bands, including Chibomato, Yoko Ono, Sean Lennon, Joan Wasser, also known as Jonas Policewoman, and a bunch of other bands. And he continues to perform with his band, Netherlands, which is a mind-altering, face-melting powerhouse of metal. You have to check it out. It's really quite amazing. And in this conversation, we went deep. We, we got pretty dark, and it was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, Timo was a little worried that he came off, you know, a little sounding a little bit negative or nihilistic, but I don't see it that way at all. Timo has very strong opinions, and he has a very particular view of the world we live in, and he backs all his opinions up with a lot of thought and a lot of humor. We really went deep into the situation that we're in here uh, in America, planet Earth, the universe. Uh, and what does it all mean? And what's it going to happen? What's going to happen to us? We didn't solve anything, but we had a really great time talking about it and going back and, you know, digging deep into the world of music that we love so much and the world of living in America that is a mixed bag. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Timo Ellis. Fuck. 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 And not, not like not only that, no one cares. No one fucking cares. What you look like, except, except your legions of fans. I know, but even them, like you know, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not like I'm not like a fashion model, you know. <laughs> like, I uh, not yet anyway. You're a sex, you're a sex symbol in among the... like weird f- aging f- rush fans. Yes, <laughs> like, you gotta take it where you get it. Denim vest wearing fucking balding rush fans. You gotta take it where you get it. Are we rolling? We are. We're oh rolling. my god, roll. Sorry. <laughs> we're Edit. No way. It's all on there. Um, I, wasn't, I didn't want to lead with that. Well, um, it doesn't. The much. Rush fans? Yeah. Well, okay, so I'll lead with something else. All right. Hi, Timo Ellis. Hi. Hi, Pierre. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks, of course. Fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me into your lair of, exactly, of, of creativity. Thank you. It's. I, I wouldn't have thought about this way when I was decorating it when I moved in here. Yeah. The, my friend who was helping me decorate it said, this is like kind of the ultimate like teenage boy cave. It is. And like... That but all music my... studios kind of are supposed to be exactly. that, aren't they? You know, it kind of it, it temporarily offended my like middle aged guy sensibility. But I was like, that's nah, true, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I have one up in my at my house, and my wife's always like, "Dude, seriously, I mean, are you are you is this your dorm?" <laughs> you yes. <know? laughs> yes. Don't talk shit. Yeah. You wish you had one. You wish she does wish you, she has one. Exactly. <laughs> see, look, you can't see him over there, but I got my Cheech and Chong poster, oh, my yeah. original Van Halen poster from back then. Oh, man, that's amazing. Really? Yes. Vintage. Oh, beautiful. Exactly. And the, the cramps over there. And you have these beautiful women scantily clad uh, kind exactly. of scattered around for, yeah. for inspiration. With I know exactly. Don't show those because in today's climate, it would be like you know, even even having any nip exposed <laughs> is potentially problematic. Anyway, it's, like, it's appreciation of the of beauty. I agree, and they're they're tasteful. It's not they're actually not vulgar. They're not I, at all. I don't beautiful. think so. It's a nice looking lady. That's subjective. Blah blah blah. Um, okay. So you, I'm just amazed by like the pure output of all your musical projects and all the you know the prolific nature of what you put out. It's amazing. It's Thank great. You. I mean, a huge catalog, but 
and you play tons of instruments really well. Thank you. Can you tell me um, how you start? What instruments you start playing with? Was there any training? Um, drummer involved? first. Mm -hmm. uh, Eleven years old. My uh, one of my my cousin Sam Kimball played the drums, and uh, like probably when I was seven or eight, like uh, at his house mm -hmm. and. Seeing him play the drums really kind of blew my mind. And then within a couple of years, I started making uh, overtures towards wanting to play the drums. And and then I uh, got a snare drum. And uh, at the time, my mom was extremely she, – she saw – she basically saw how, like – Into it, how yeah, focused like how, you were. How incredibly, ar already deeply you know, yeah. in, into it I was and totally supported, encouraged. And then by the time I was – I think I had my guitar epiphany at, at – uh, uh, that the summer of when I was 11 mm -hmm. and that's entire well I, mean, I was already into rock music or whatever heavy rock music and all music not just rock music but then I had my guitar epiphany after Liz hearing Unchained by Van Halen on the radio nice and like it's, it's just a joke it's the anecdote is that like I heard that solo I heard Unchained on the radio and then like like literally the next day, I like lost interest in school. I like lost interest in like the whole straight life. I was I literally, I was like, fuck yeah, all like, this shit. I don't care. It doesn't make any sense anymore. Uh, I, was, when, now that those guys are around, why should I be this guy? Exactly. And it was, yeah. which was a total disaster because I was only 11. 11. <laughs> like, Where'd you grow up? Were you here. in New York? In this city? In, I grew up in Manhattan. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and, uh, so you're like, it's, you're 11. You already had a snare drum. I did. And I got, and I got a guitar. Like in that, so that was twelve acoustic or electric. Electric. Oh, really? A you went weirdo for hybrid. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun fender. It was like an Ibanez, just blue Ibanez destroyer with a Fender Mustang neck. Oh, nice. Which is just a total weirdo uh, Frankenstein guitar that and I it has wish the pointy, I had. the pointy it had body. The pointy had the you know it had like a, a kind of a pointy yeah. body and uh, yeah, I wish I had it. I wish I. Oh yeah. That'd be um, amazing to have. What yeah. what was the make of that? Dude. Nothing. It was a, it was just well Fender and an Ibanez put together. Oh, actually actual, Frankenstein a, together. Actual actual hybrid of brands. Wow. Um, but yeah, I'm like a. So I you started shredding. You were just. I like, mean, it was more like drumming. I was really. Uh, it took me. I don't know. I mean, I, as much as it like I. It, it took me, and I think drumming the rudiments of drumming came to me more quickly. The guitar right. guitar playing I had to work on a lot more. Yeah. Uh, and, and in a way, I but you stopped. learned both kind of at the same time on your own. Self yeah, yeah, I didn't. I, I, wow. cut, I didn't have that. That, uh, that actually explains a lot uh, overall yeah. about your well, your whole aesthetic, because I was really trying to figure out like what where is this coming from? Is this coming from a drum head or you know, a drum mind or a guitar a, mind? It's kind of both. But yeah. drums first. Yeah, that's um, interesting. <clears throat> so then it was uh, I, I sort of the focus shifted when I started playing the guitar and I, uh, I mean, I, in a way, I stopped regularly practicing drums to play the guitar. But when I, and then I just kept going throughout high school, and college, and then it was halfway through college, and I, I sort of, I finally had the realization that I was like, oh, I'm not going to become like a, <laughs> a lawyer or something. And like, right. actually, this is probably, it, it was with the, 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 the realization, the awareness of like, oh, there's an actual independent music scene in a circuit. And an underground music scene that's not just like rock star or studio musician, that there's a kind of a third way, which it's at least possible to plug in a possible career of regular professional, professional activity. How did you figure that out? Did you see people that well, did that? I went, well, I went to Evergreen. Yeah. In, um, in Seattle? In or? Olympia, Washington. Olympia. And it actually had the and kind of incredible good fortune to 
be go to end up sort of land there right when uh, that kind of inter international pop underground and the sort of pre-grunge and that uh, certain type of you know radical punk rock performance. Yeah, like the K Records yeah, people, that whole Calvin thing. Johnson, all that. Yeah, yeah like yeah. that whole scene. Yeah, um, which was very much you know obviously very community conceptualized yeah. and very much like a, a you know. It was a whole like a literal philosophy on, on, yeah. on every level. Yeah, like a, is that like an it, art it's school? Kind of radical lefty kind of oh, thing. Okay. I mean, it's sort no of like grades. it's like kind of like Hampshire. Yeah, there's evaluations, okay, cool. you know. Evaluations. Um, which is why I chose it because did I did. You was, study music there? No, I did a. I did kind of first two years cultural. I did film and video production, and then mm -hmm. just in sort of core program cultural studies. Mm -hmm. That did some audio engineering, um, and then you know some post-colonial studies some film programs mm -hmm. and stuff uh and uh but yeah so ma mainly it was an artsy it was on the media arts i was a media arts kind of person that's what i studied as well yeah, yeah it was yeah, great i understand <laughs> it's like i want to be a musician but let me do something that sounds like a real college exactly degree. it sounds good and it like looks good when i'm trying to talk about shit <laughs> yeah exactly so did you um join do, do you remember writing your first song at all uh when you I thought mean, like, that was thing, a possibility i think it was in high, I had written, you know, in terms of songwriting, narratively driven songwriting, songwriter. Yeah. Like I was such a, a rock nerd yeah. and like such a, uh, you know, it was, it was primarily like the thing that like was most exciting to me for, for I guess, a few different reasons was this guitar driven, you know, like instrumentally primarily yeah. focused kind of hard rock and metal and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so I have a lot of songs, a lot of instrumental songs, a lot of riffs. Mm -hmm. And of course, there were some songs that I, it was in high school. I mean, really, the first songs I wrote were really totally rudimentary, like, Rip, you know, riffs. acoustic guitar kinds of stuff for the first couple of years. And then when I did, you know, covers, I would cover like whatever, the police and Judas Priest or the Clash or whatever, mm -hmm. the stuff that I, you know, and then some new wave stuff. And then, you know, all the stuff that I was interested in, that I could actually pull off, um, did you join bands like at an early age? Like, did you I mean, try was, doing in, bands in high school? There was just the kind of cover bands. <laughs> I went to a I went to a boarding school in Arizona, which is a kind of a well. I went to a, I went to a boarding school in Western Massachusetts uh -huh. called the Williston Northampton School, oh, and okay. uh, this is a longer story. I got expelled from there, okay. and I had to repeat. I ended up repeating, getting admitted to this other sort of liberal artsy another boarding school in Sedona, Arizona. Oh, wow. Um, but I had to repeat my sophomore year. Okay. So technically, I was in high school for a long time. Five years. <laughs> I still have nightmares about some Oh, my those. God. Wow. Um, and boarding school the whole time, like yeah. living in at school. Yeah, which was kind of the idea at the time. Is like, a lot was, of people you know, of that generation. And also, the parents divorced. And it was uh -huh. like a kind of like the right idea to get out of the house. Okay. Everyone would, everyone, everyone won. Really? And time. you were cool with it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was like going to college early. Or, yeah, just being able to, if it was possible, to not live at home. Okay, then interesting. I was like, great. Yeah. Although I had other issues <laughs> of exploding my first high school experience by just having too much fun. I was wild and I was fucking acting out like an insane idiot. have a lot of fun i didn't do badly but i just had too much fun so i got expelled i ended up going to another boarding school 
uh, what do we call, call it? That's how I ended up eventually hearing about and getting connected with Evergreen because mm-hmm. it was a similar sort of ethos of a liberal arts kind of small uh, type of boarding school. On, in, on the in, West Coast? In, in Arizona. Oh, in, in Arizona, Sedona, right. in Sedona Before, Arizona. And then you knew from there. It was like the feeder to Evergreen? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Or to, you Prep know, to school a larger for degree. Evergreen? Yeah, kind of, which is also, you know, <laughs> you know sort of. It's yeah. Like, it, joke, my joke school. is like, you can sign, I signed my name on the application. You're in. <laughs> what do you want? Nothing. I just want my space. What do you want? Oh, the that was band. the bands in high school in Sedona. Uh, in exactly, that was like you know, like a, what are they called? That was stoner. Stoner is terrible. I don't think I've ever I've publicly admitted this. Uh, one of them was called the Trails. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're such fathead names, and, and the other one, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't. I've never. I've never publicly. I, it's in the, who cares, right? One of them was called the. Be trails. careful! This is not for. This is forever on the care. internet. It's fucking hilarious. One of them was called the trails. The other one was called the carbs. The carbs, <laughs> you know, but not like from carbs. Oh, from from, from, <laughs> from a, the, a bomb. Yeah, exactly. From, <laughs> so, of course, I tape everything. So I still have those recordings. You do not suck. But you know, there was and there were some jams. I was those? playing drums and uh, and mostly guitar. Some drums. Um, I had already. I I had. Uh, this is random. I had been. I actually figured out a way to do multi-track recording, like a uh, tape switching, like a. Uh, How did you do on, it on a Hitachi weird dual cassette deck that I had? Yeah, like I already bought one of those t- dual, just like a just regular cassette yeah. deck, but it had a mic input, and, yeah. and somehow it, you could record something into the right side yeah. with a mic, and yeah. then switch tapes, and it would actually. I did the same. For, yeah, it's so interesting talking to people like in our generation where you had to figure out some multi-tracking hacks. situation, yeah. usually with te- tape recorders and microphones, and yeah, playing amazing. one thing into the other. Yeah, I was like, I and it's got great. This. Well, it's actually great for your. It's a great way to like then go into you know what we have now, which is all the tracks in the world and all the technology no. in the world and everything. Limits you, are good. Yeah, exactly. Like that. The, also, the four twenty four. I mean, the, the whole task game. It eventually went. Right. It I was in high school that I actually for, like uh, yeah. that I started fucking around with those task game four tracks, which are amazing. Of course, you can bounce stuff down, but the quality you lose, like you lose oh, yeah. quality, so you end you up more wanting more to do like multi multi multi-track recordings mm-hmm. on four tracks and having to do different things and also do live EQing on the right. fly and all that shit. And you, know, and then and you have to be really it, careful about your your uh, decisions ahead of time. Oh, no, because you, you, yeah. you, 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 you have to Can't commit. Can't go back. Yeah, you, know, you have no, to you commit. You actually destroy awesome things. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, mostly... <clears throat> so you were recording then, I don't know. Yeah, all, all through, even before high school, I had done some over over dubby kinds of stuff. Like uh, for the carbs. covers, <laughs> no, there was just we. No, uh, yeah, we recorded. I mean, we're all just baked as hell. It's just like twenty-minute Neil Young jam, <laughs> or even like unusually long Smiths jams. Oh, that sounds like fun. What songs were you? How uh, soon Big is Mouth now? Strikes again. Big Mouth Strikes Again. Forever. Did you have a bass player who could pull that off? Oh yeah, we did. It actually was good. It's just funny. It's like it's like the combination of the Smiths and the Grateful Dead is. A, I like you wouldn't that. think that was possible, and it's not a great idea. Okay. No, it makes <laughs> sense. My college band was a combination of the Minutemen and the Grateful Dead. That was basically what we were going for. It's funny. It's another oddball combination. Yeah. Like dr- hashtag drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, everyone who was involved. If you're still listening to this, I, I mean well. We did what we thought was right at the time. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Thankfully, I only I have the tapes. Oh They're not on YouTube. Thank God. They're, I'm going to talk you into sneaking one of them onto this podcast. All right. Well, I'll find us. I'd rather play my pre-puberty like Judas Priest jams. Yes, that would be cool. those are the fucking, those are, a, those are the shit. That would, that would be the most cringe 
if I'm going to go cringe, I might as well go full cringe because it's extremely cute. It's like it's like Judas Priest, but actual chipmunk person. Is it just you? Like, yes. Is it a, or is it a whole band? No, it's just me. And you're shredding on guitar and then there's, yeah, you're singing, like singing too? Yeah, it's like guitar, bass, and drums. Oh, really? And, and you're so, doing all four? All yes, three. yeah. Wow. It's so funny. It's like, it's that's not the whole thing about, like, I do, I cover Paranoid. Exactly. It's like it's amazing. It's it's that one's really oh, classic. Oh, we gotta hear that. Is there a, a name associated it. with that? Like a band? No, name? no. Oh, uh, uh, that was uh, my little solo band. First was called Last Exit, which I stole uh-huh. from Stuart Copeland, which was his. I think it was his pre-police. Yeah. There was that and Kurt Curved Air, maybe. Yeah. There's another one of those pre-police fusion yeah. bands. Yeah. But then, of course, like uh, I was like, this sounds cool. That's amazing. So um, you came back to New York in '94, yes, right, and then things, and then you just knocked on all the famous people's well, doors, no, and they no, just said, I mean, "Sure, we want you to be in our band." No, no, I mean, that, that, <laughs> not, not. My stepbrother went to the same uh, grade school, like K through whatever one through twelve school as Mark Ronson. Oh, okay. Um, I'm kind of collegiate. I can't remember. Okay. Um, I think that's what it was, but anyway, don't quote school? me on that. Sorry, yeah. you guys. It's been a long time. Um, Mark Ronson was old friends and neighbors with Sean Lennon. Oh, really? My stepbrother knew that I already obviously was a musician, a multi-instrumentalist guy, of which Mark Ronson and both Sean Lennon are like really yeah. extremely accomplished yes. multi-instrumentalists themselves. Yeah. And so he's like, yo, you got to meet my stepbrother. So this was at their, I think that this was, this was their like, I ended up just going to their gra- their graduation from high school like lunch. They're in the same grade and they're yeah, in the same class. You know, they okay. were, I think, they're uh, buddies. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so they were 17. Okay. I was 22. Yeah. Or 18, whatever. They were 17. Yeah. And uh, and so they became, you know, then we kind of like, eh, what's up? You know, and then the next day, this was before you came back from everything. Yeah, yeah, this is this is two this is two years before. I can um, do the math because we're the same. Exactly, age. <laughs> it's good, it's exactly. It's also not that difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, and so then you know we kind of hit it off and then we played we exchanged numbers or whatever you know and then like we kind of corresponded like actually sending tapes cassettes like oh, mailing awesome. each other tapes with you know? with Sean Lennon. Or yeah, just Mark like Lopez Sean and I kind of yeah. hit it off. We're like, wow, yeah. hey, what's up? You know. Yeah. And then uh, 
What was he doing? Was he was just? I think he was like you know he was also kid. he was just you know I think he went to he went to Columbia briefly, mm-hmm. and then he just decided he didn't want to go to Columbia, mm-hmm. you know, and was you know was already playing music sort of regularly, or just constantly practicing or playing or jamming or whatever, right? You know? Um, and then uh, it became, it became, it sort of it, it emerged that like there was a possibility that. I, I sort of got I got kind of submitted as possibly being a musician in the what would have been sort of like the pit the informal pit of this off Broadway musical play that Yoko had was pr- producing oh, wow. based on the mu- music for her and John called New York Rock wow. which did get produced. created and produced and that uh, and you were in it oh no no I, I, just, I basically I got considered for it, I got submitted oh, for it wow. um, so. I got a. Did she have young musicians? No, in I mean, like, it was just, I think yeah. there was some context within which I was sort of able, Sean was able to kind of, like, mm. uh, you know, sort of shop me in a way. Did you audition or I something? I did. I mean, I, I went to a, I did a, she, they invited me back to, to, uh, to, to sort of to audition. I, I went to the uh, recording studio. I went actually straight from the airport to the recording studio and ended up recording one of the songs from, which was an early, early version of the song War Zone, which ended up on the album Rising, which I also think she does re recorded. Or she's probably recorded a few times and also just re-recorded again oh, wow. in the last year or two years. song that she had just written for i believe or i'm she and might have written you show up and your your uh, task in the audition is to play this just song? to do it just play to play drums it, it turn, no i did everything i mean really? I, I have drums bass guitar show up and demo a song for yeah Yoko. exactly and i Holy did it crap. and so that was a and I mean, how does she show you the song i'm so no she just played it for fascinated. me and listened to it like, but how does she write a song like is it oh she's I mean, out or like what no in this work? this song she already had had a oh. I, she she had probably written it on the piano uh-huh. she had probably you know you know because that's probably it's the usually the instrument upon which she mm-hmm. you know that she right. writes music mm-hmm. um and that but she already had there was there was another there was an already existing version of I it see. like with that was so you could learn it yeah no it was of... also it was reasonably not not too too complicated right. rock song wow. and i did it and uh 
And I don't, I didn't get the the gig because. But you show up and you do like a session with Yoko yeah. in the studio. Yeah, it was That's amazing. Kind of cool, it was unbelievable. It's I was amazing. I was having a full blown panic attack. Yeah, so I was already a huge fan of hers. Yeah, I mean like a really giant fan of hers. Yeah, I know. And people so that was also give her a lot of shit. I think she has no, some unbelievably amazing stuff. No, people stuff. don't know. I mean, it's a much longer know. story. Like, yeah, you know, but people, yeah, it's like. No, there's so much amazing yeah, stuff. No, incredible. She's she's a. Maverick and a, mm-hmm. a visionary, yeah. and a total fucking badass, and a, yeah. and an unbelievably uh, intuitively incredible instrumentalist, right. vocalist, and writer. Right. She, she's a quadruple threat. She's yeah. everything. People don't know because of sexism and racism. Right. And the Beatles, blah, blah, and blah. And super easy kind of reductionist history. Yeah, bullshit. Just gets, yeah. It's, it's annoying. And I, it's, more, it's like my, 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 my lot is to fucking, you it's know, endlessly to stand up for her when yeah. people just voiced fucking ridiculous bullshit about it. Because you actually Uninformed know bullshit yeah, about exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, wow. So that happened and then you... And you you got to know Sean through Yeah, that. I mean, I had been I had been corresponding with Sean and playing, and when I would come back, I would come back for, you know, whatever, sometimes over the Christmas holiday or whatever, the few times I came back, and we hit it off. And then there was sort of the occasion for us, like, oh, you know, we're going gonna to make a record. We're going to actually make a solo album with Yoko. And it was in that context that I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to move back to New York Okay. Um, after living out in the Northwest for six years. Yeah. Um, and then writing recording jamming developed a whole body of you know like sort of rapport with sean and this other uh, amazing musician named sam Koppelman, who's also another multi-instrumentalist who's a friend of sean's Mm -hmm. and uh that turned into the sessions and the recording of making this this album called rising which we made and we did a couple of tours and uh with two you know that that was incredible i was just whatever it was that was an unbelievably uh, you did a couple of tours. You made an album. And you did two tours. Yeah, with this Yoko. is in 1995 and 1996. Wow. And where did you go? Uh, there was one of them was like around the big cities, the, met- met- the metropolitan centers in the U.S. And then uh, the other one, the second tour, which was um, later, like a little less than a year later, was around Europe and the centers, and also in Japan. Wow, what um, an experience! Yeah, it was incredible. 95, you said? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, and so that was a, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. And uh, you were um, was, all kind of trading off on instruments. Oh in uh, yeah, the, for the record, for the on the record we all played. I played drums and bass and some guitar and um, we all we all kind of did. We all Sean plays keyboards. He, Sean plays everything. Sam, yeah. Sam is a primarily was the drummer, but he also played bass and he plays tabla. I mean, he's an excellent tabla player and a great guitar player wow. too. So there's. And this is before Sean Lennon had done really like solo stuff no this is probably this is so during the same time oh no this is prior to that prior to that yeah Yeah. I hadn't done anything like that yet yes Sean hadn't put out a record or anything like that no right and so and so then that actually this is this leads into the Chiba Mato era which is that the uh, the record company was putting together a remix album of songs remix songs from Rising they got Thurston Moore and they got the BC Boys and they got Ween Oh, um, okay. To do like the remixes from the Rising thing, and they got Chibamato too, 
and we just met them in the Wait, concert. Shibamata was already a band. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. They had already been going. At yeah, that like point. they. Had, I mean, I think oh, they had okay. probably gotten signed within the last the year, two-year period. Royal? Were they on? No, it was, it was Warner's. Warner. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so they uh, the, the record company is like, hey, you should meet Chibamato. Were you they know? just like a two-piece? Yes. Doing recording. Okay, so they didn't have like a live band. Not really not. With drums they had done. They had done. I think more samples and yeah, it's in, singing. I think more. They had they had on the records. They had a bunch of the killers play. With them. Yeah. The first record's full of amazing whatever. Yeah. The all the downtown killers. Okay. Of which they're actually part. They come from that scene. I just waiting for a miracle man coming. I can't find it. 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 on the record Mike Mills is on the record yeah, I think yeah, I like the, the Jazz Passengers some of those uh-huh. guys and like just they I'd have yeah. to look again it's been a long time but yeah. like they just you know Rebo I think oh yeah I was gonna say yeah sounds like, like and, something he'd be you know that's just that yeah. that whole that whole that that, world. that scene yeah um, and so we ended up uh, without really knowing we ended up hitting it off with them and like just whatever we ended up jamming and like uh, and then eventually over the next maybe eight months or something that morphed into us being like they're kind of Sean and I being sort of their band, you know. Wow. And then, although Russell Simmons from the Blues Explosion yeah. was in the first, he was in the first iteration of the live band, and Sean was playing right. bass. But then he had John Spencer Blues Explosion commitments, and right. he had to do that whole thing. And that was when I got called in. So there was this little project in between called Butter 08. That yes. was like John. Sp- I mean, uh, Russell Simmons yeah. was in that, and all those dudes were in that. And Mike Mills, Rick. and then Rick Lee yeah. from Skeleton Key. Yeah. And uh, were you in that? I was just. I play. Uh, we. I got. I play on drums on one song. So yeah, butter. Butter was in. Butter was in that window. Mm-hmm. Um. So the Chivamato, Sean and I were the. Uh, it became the the band the, the rhythm section um, and then out from that actually and then after that Sean ended up uh, after, after that whole first wave of touring and promotion for the Chibo record it kind of morphed into Sean actually developing all the body of all of the work for his solo album Into the Sun which was on Grand Royal mm-hmm. and that developed into a show we got uh, there's a few other people that are percussionists another guitar player I you played bass that. in that band oh, cool um did a bunch of touring with that, which is fucking amazing because we were on Grand Royal and we got to fucking open for the PC Boys in yeah. Japan, which is nuts. Wow, in Japan? Japan? Yes. Oh my god. Uh, you know, and 
Kansas. We we also toured with Beck on the Odelay tour, which is unbelievable. Oh, that was oh, no, that, I'm sorry, that was Chibamato. I forgot, confused. I'm sorry. Chibamato toured that with was, Beck. Yes. Oh wow. Um, that was uh, that was one of the that was the the, the, the Viva La Woman tour, but that was also incredibly amazing. I vividly remember how fucking how rad that was. Um, <laughs> with the Oh uh, yeah, then, as a dr- and you're doing like drums I w- and I was in, in, in Sean's band. I was playing bass in Chibamato. I was playing drums. Yeah, um, and then so that it was then, and then so the Sean that was the, that wave of Sean Lennon, like a promotion for the record, all the touring and playing for supporting the Sun, and then there was then we switched back to the Chibamato world into preparation to make the second record, which was called Stereotype A. Yeah, so that was like uh, 98, 99, two thousand. Um, and so then, then it became yeah. So that there was, it was sort of like Yoko, Chibamato, Sean, Chibamato again. Okay. And then like a, and then during that time, I did the entire cycle of touring for Stereotype A mm-hmm. with various people. But then for no- normal life existential reasons, that whole wave, the the wave of energy mm-hmm. and of band, mm-hmm. ended up you know naturally kind of diverging around in two thousand and early two thousand one. Yeah. And. Uh, so yeah, that to... was that whole wave of a, the wave of, of bands. That's incredible. So yeah, 996 to 2001, 95 with Yoko, and then through 
want to shift gears a little bit and talk about this song, uh, Negative Likes, as like the conceit of this podcast is that I try to get people to talk about politics. But when I started looking into all your stuff, it didn't seem like it was going to be very hard because you no. you talk about stuff and you're not afraid to express yourself. And <laughs> there's a lot to talk about these days. That's true. And so there's the one song that comes to mind is this song, Negative Likes by Netherlands. Right? Yes. And. Um, from the Hope Porn EP. It's which came out recently. Or? It's from February of seventeen. Oh, seventeen. Oh, no, 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 eighteen. Fucking whatever last, whatever this last year was. I think it was eighteen. Yeah. The one that just <laughs> left. Yeah. So it's an amazing song. Um, Thank you. It covers a lot of ground. I feel like there's a lot of comments about how fucking annoying social media is and how we're all being led by the nose to uh, be consumers and. Um, being numbed by comfort and, yeah. you know, sort of the the whole struggle of like trying to be active or trying to be awake, but also just we're doing pretty okay because we're like white guys in America, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's like, talk about it. How do <laughs> that? Well, throw uh, a lot of stuff at you. Um, what does this song well, mean to you? The, the entire phenomenon of how we consume information and how we're basically locked into getting all our news and feeling connected with other people, quote unquote, uh, using these digital platforms after so many years um it becomes like a you know it becomes like a not, it's not even a phantom it becomes like a, a, a the psychological limb and the platform upon which we end up feeling like we're up to date with reality and up to date with other people and also relevant as people and as artists and on any level there's an element of like a it's just become like it's become sort of an indispensable limb and platform for our the way we even conceptualize reality in our relationships with other people and also, uh, you know, everything with culture. You know? right. How is how our experience of fucking human beings in human society, pop culture, art, music, politics, fundamentally, like structurally now informed and dependent on this entire sort of mode modality and these platforms for communicating with each other and in terms of like how news gets filtered or censored or processed or digested or diverted or any of these things and and how we even conceptualize ourselves as what our civic and responsibility is and and also the effect that it has on in-person activism yeah and like an actual real life in terms of uh you know in engagement with other human beings like in the life like out out in out in the world and not not sitting in front of a fucking computer or staring at your phone well you know? so that's interesting that you you know you t you mentioned uh in-person activism because i think part of the vibe i get from that song and a lot of them and may, you might not like this is a lot of critiquing a lot of criticism and not a lot of solutions sometimes no. and i'm wondering and i understand because i have the same you know we all have that uh that instinct to just be like this is so fucked you're all so fucked everything's fucked yeah. but we kind of got to like if you think okay what's the next step what should i do about it are we just missing like the weather underground coming and bombing shit like what's the solution no. well that's the thing like uh well uh, i mean making loud ass metal is a no, I mean, pretty cool solution something. i think anything, <laughs> yeah at least like i mean i'm not like a it's what maybe just for starters like take do a do a sort of a really uh brutally ruthlessly rigorous analysis of your own relationship with all this yeah. stuff and also put it in the context of what the fuck's going on politically and culturally in right. such a way of actually like what the the ratio is of your critique or your vitriol or your mm -hmm. just you know your dear your uh, outrage about mm -hmm. things relative to like uh well you know thinking and talking and yeah, critiquing or anything yeah. self-critique as well yeah but also the thing the idea it's like 
nah, there actually isn't a fucking solution. No. The idea that like you actually like, well, so now be positive about it. Well, for starters, like stop fucking using it so much. Oh, for the internet. Yeah. yeah. Actually like be a person. Right. Be a person. You yeah. know, like actually be Alive. Uh, uh, you know, and reckon with the fact that you've become a fucking addict. And I'm not talking about the social media. I just mean to the internet. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, really, it's like it's, you don't have to be, in my opinion, you don't have to be in the gutter or have like sold your house or be like pimping yourself right. for it to have real, have profoundly destructive and just very negative impact. Well, F, by the way, everyone is pimping themselves. No, I'm right. Well, <laughs> I mean, in, in the, not, not in the not in the commercial way. Right. Well, in a way, your your you know your comment, your question speaks to the idea that like everything's got to be balanced out with the, the solution oriented. This is first first for starters. We have to like actually just identify the problem, and also just very very brutally, honestly, you know, just without even talking about it. Well, <laughs> like, we got we got to be clear that we have, we have a big ass problem. No, like we're no. all massively addicted to this thing, this yeah. new thing and, that's come. And steamrolled our entire right. world. Yeah. It's like I know the the idea of like, of course, there there's there's huge value to it. There's obviously you know there there's some there's some very valuable functionality to it, which is amazing and revolutionary, incredible in terms of being able to connect with people and to um you know to actually network on the basis of uh, about events and activism sure. and also just the, the the for example the the ease of Facebook Messenger, for example, it's like replaced email. It's it's the actual. It's uh, for many people. It's like the you know it's become yeah. the, the primary channel via right. which you actually end up communicating with people, which is so easy. It's incredibly whatever. It's incredibly convenient that way. At the same time, like you can also argue that like uh, you know has some other like uh, unintended you know. Well, you have to look at Facebook to do it. Yeah, first also, of all, you have to like yeah. also be on a computer. Well, you have to be yeah, on a computer. And you also have to be you're you're, you're consumed with this thing as opposed right. to like a. Which is which is very well. You have to be on a computer yeah. to talk on the phone nowadays, right? But that, more that, or less. What member nineteen ninety five? Right. I mean, it's not to say I'm not idealizing that. At the same time, like people were maybe. Uh, I hear there's like some new vintage, like go back to flip phone, like trend happening, like ta- tapes wa- too, and everything. Walking away from smartphones or something, like, yeah. which I, which would make sense. I'm gonna get a landline. Leave me a message. Yeah. I, you can talk to me if I'm home. Right. Remember that? I do. You also have to show up. You have to show, show up, up when somewhere. You, yeah, when you say you're going to. I know. I'm just saying there's, I mean, whatever. It sounds sounds curmudgeonly. So way. curmudgeonly. But, but like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm well, at the very least, it's problematic. And like, I'm not like, I'm not some, you know, it's like uh, an unquestioning champion of the whole thing. As much as I appreciate all the obvious benefits of the technology, it's a. Uh, so, oh, you're saying like, so all the critiques. So what? Well, no. So I'm, there's, that's two, there's two different things going on in that song. There's the internet, social media, very clear. Like yeah. I hear what you're saying loud and clear, but you're also going really hard at, um, capitalism in my, uh, that's my interpretation. Yeah. And like, just, you know, the consumer culture that we live in Yeah, and true. you're going hard. At, we have, that. have we conceptualized ourselves in terms of, uh, brands yeah. right. primarily about optics. Okay. Yes. Yes. yes I, I am, am an artist. artist. But I'm still gonna fucking bear witness, okay? If I could change even a millimeter, a millimeter of anyone's thinking, well, then that makes me an activist, Nihilus. Everything is either a complaint or a command. Wait, wait, what? Or both. Or some kind of simultaneous acceptance and rejection of things.
it's a little naive of me to hope that like a rant like this can actually penetrate the ideological format of the pop song, which generally naturally co-ops things into safer, more manageable, like hope narratives and romance narratives, in this case, an anger narrative or an art narrative or whatever. Okay. However, I just want to be clear that I am on the record as not reinforcing the military, family values, or evangelical Christian narrative, which I roundly declare, fuck <laughs> of U.S. Imperial foreign policy should force Americans to at least flirt with sincerely validating the philosophical and ideological foundations of terrorism against U.S. interests. There's another one that I really love that I wanted to talk about too, which is surf, surf stuff that all one. night wrong. <laughs> love that. The, the, that. I'm sorry. Go. I, sorry, I was, that has a lot of. Good, so it's sim- rich. Similarly, yeah, it's deep. scathing. Well, you say something really interesting. You say I'm a nihilist who bears witness. So maybe I'm an activist nihilist. I, I think that's, that's a pretty interesting concept. I, I, I just, that was, or that, you didn't say I am, but you no, no, threw that's, that out there. That entire, that's an, it's a total freestyle. I love it. Yeah, that whole, that's entirely improvised. That whole rap. Is it? Yes. Wow. So I mean, I don't, I don't have like a, I don't have like a 
some kind of thesis to back that. Yeah, but that it's idea. coming from you, dude. Yeah, it's true. No, no, I'm not. I'm not disclaiming it. I'm saying yeah. like I'm just like, well, it just sounded like it made sense at the time, which is I'm just oh, oh, you know saying like if you're if you're a true nihilist, you just wouldn't be like broadcasting anything because you'd just be like fuck everything. But I'm not. I don't. I definitely don't feel that way at all. You don't. So it's like kind of like being like an optimist nihilist. Uh-huh. They're they're of course they're opposed. You yeah. could argue that those are uh, uh, I, I diametrically Time. opposed. But, you know, the truth is, is that they're not there. So there's actually like a it's more of like a realist. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, I'm not really, a, you know, the dipping, you know, actually defaulting or dipping into full blown nihilism is what we're all fighting against, because I think that's the nature of the system that we're in. Right. Is actually just a extremely cynical, self-serving, uh, just, you know, like out of control uh, uh, worship of the self. Absolutely. And of, and of the pursuit of just one's own fucking comfort and isolation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So at the same time, where I'm, I'm certainly not, I'm not a not an avatar of those things, but I'm sort of urgently trying to decondition myself or at least just not just tacitly fucking be a be a, a like an uncritical avatar of all that shit. Yeah. Without at least saying something. Which is great. <laughs> saying something is great. The thing is, the thing that I've been realizing lately or I've been feeling lately is that um, the right and the left just kind of like meet in the middle in the same place which is that everything's so fucked and I can't do anything about it and that's the thing that really makes me uncomfortable because I still think that I have to do something like I whether it's vote or get my ass out on the street and protest and do whatever I have to do something because it's so if you're saying it's all fucked and nothing's going no. nothing good's going to happen you're exactly like no you're, you're everyone well, you're, else yeah, that, that's whether not, they're right or left yeah that, yeah exactly that's not a and viable. that's a very comfortable uh position that a lot of people are taking these days young people yeah you know on the right or the left you know even if they're saying trump's a total idiot but but it's okay because he's doing it's keeping me from have to having to decide anything all that stuff's (laughs) predicated upon like the endless access to these same media platforms and food and water right just saying like those are the i mean for me like the, the more macro uh the ongoing kind of realizations or just sort of insights or perspectives that i'm having really all culminate in the now already underway environmental mega catastrophe <laughs> like i'm just saying like that's the thing right. it's like the uh that's the full-blown revolution mm-hmm. i mean this is something i think this is a very very broadly chris hedges paraphrased idea is that the uh you know as long as the the liberal classes and the sort of the creative classes as long as those people still have jobs mm-hmm like the the revolution won't happen, right? It's like as long you know. So it's, it's when there's when the so called creative classes actually like lose their ability to work. That's when it's then that those guys end up getting together and start drafting up revolutionary rhetoric right. or whatever. And actually, until then. But the heads. thing is, the amazing thing is that even people are starving to death. They're still able to subsist and actually think that everything's going to be all right, right, and that everything's fine, and that way there's endless resources, and that technology is going to save everything based on crumbs. Based mm-hmm. on fumes yeah. of just like, I mean, that's the amazing thing. It's like YouTube and Facebook are enough to keep people in this, you know, to like them, themselves willingly keep themselves in this fucking flimsy this, ass fucking hallucination. In this for, hamster for, wheel. Yeah. No, for, for like indefinitely. indefinitely. Meanwhile, like the fucking like the world's fucking on fire and the, 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 the biosphere is dying around them. They're like. How do I look? I <laughs> saw a really cool video. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm certainly not, uh, I'm obviously, I'm fucking wrestling with that because I'm still, even like, even trying to make art 
It seems like really decadent. I mean, of course, it's important to actually just speak. You know, obviously, that's all I do. Well, it's, it's like, what you do, and it's what you're, it's yeah, what you're good at. Yeah, and of course, I'm going to actually yeah. continue doing it because it's. And a, you at least talk about shit like yeah, this in you. your art, you know. You know, and I'm certainly I'm not like I'm definitely not. I mean, the whole thing about me is I'm trying to. That's what, like in negative likes, I mean, for what it's worth, I'm not congratulating myself for this, but I'm trying to be as, I'm trying to get as. You give yourself some shit. Maybe, maybe I don't know if you're no, the bohemian definitely. parasite or the exactly, complicated That's exactly artist. what I was going to say. <laughs> it's like, really, what's the fucking your justification for this? Right. I mean, I don't know the, uh, for me personally, like uh, I, uh, as someone who has a, uh, who has a kind of obsessive and uh, an inclination towards uh, addiction, addictive, right. addictive behaviors. Yeah. I am finally after this, after 11 years on Facebook or whatever, I'm actually at the point where I'm like, I've making myself fucking, I've made myself mentally ill, iller with my habits this way. Yeah. The answer is not to like go on fucking vacation and just jerk off and then like read novels or whatever. But at the very least, it's like, you know, get your, get your fucking mind independent, get your actual well, mind back. This is very interesting because you're, you're sober, right? You, yes. And so you've been, you've gone through that process. So you know what addiction is. Yes. And um, you've made t- steps to get away from it. So are there concepts of, you know, like Facebook and Twitter or whatever addiction that could be that AA people could like just help the rest of us well, yeah, figure out how to get this fuck this, off this thing? In this case, like, I mean, you're, you're like a, it's about the principle is the same. It's about like a avoiding. It's about craving. Right. What you're doing is you're actually indulging in a form of like a yeah. entertainment, right. which is actually like totally legal and fucking fully sanctioned and endorsed and I everybody. And it's like ubiquitous and it's totally above ground celebrated and in such a way that people don't realize, Oh yeah. Like I'm actually, I don't know how to be alone, mm-hmm. lonely, bored, mm-hmm. even processed like complicated ideas right. or even re like uh, even take the time to like grieve for example that's one right. of my biggest that's one of my biggest the things that's the most disturbing to right. me is that grief is getting like it become, gets it's lost you like, know it's like know it's, it someone dies and then like, the next second it's like it's like and brunch it's like or know, or i wrote a little thing on their facebook page no, and, and it's cool yeah let's go have brunch. no no it's also like the thing is it's what i call the you know, it's like this. It's just grotesque. It's like what I call the box officeization of everything. Uh-huh. Of course, which is the same thing with movies and like how much money it made and how many likes you get, right. and like that. Those are the metrics by which you determine whether or not you're like a fucking vi- valid loved human being, or even like you're yeah. up to date, or you're actually failing or succeeding based on box office stuff. Right. Which it's like you know, it's like I better craft my grandfather died post so that I get maximum engagement. Right. Otherwise his whole life will have been for nothing. No, exactly. I don't want, I mean, there's been, there's been, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm alternately like I, I go off and I feel like rave and I rant about things pretty in a strident way about various things, mm-hmm. but I've made a conspicuous point to not talk about things in my personal life just because I don't want, I feel like I'm tarnishing it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to actually, I don't want to conceptualize the stuff that's going on in my personal life and have to start conceptualizing in terms of like, like making sure that it goes over with everybody and that everybody knows about it. I know there's something it's like this fucking, it's It's nobody's business. It's scary. It is. And so I don't know. I'm again, like I know I sound, I am like a, I know I come across being strident and you're just a pre-internet guy. Like like some of us are just pre-internet creatures, you know, I'm like sucked in so hard. I mean, I'm like a, 
whatever it's I'm, I'm embarrassed I'm frankly I'm a little ashamed and I'm fucking embarrassed that I've actually allowed this but allowed it to bamboozle me so much because you know I did though? yeah one of the things I've noticed from your uh, work all your stuff is that you're really good at the internet you're really good at making shit you're really good at making videos and creating little things that are really engaging like I love those shame the shame party thank you Can you talk about the shame party oh uh, I just wanted to do a little talk show short form talk show that it ended up being more comedic than I but I mean, short form, when I watch it, I'm like, is this just a trailer or is, is there longer? Is it, yeah, it was they're for, literally like 30 seconds. They're all a minute. A minute. It was meant for, it's the Instagram world. It was meant it's so hilarious. they wanted to. I you know, like, I, I, and thank you. It's uh, so good because first of all, I think I'm watching a trailer and I'm like, oh, I wonder where I can find the whole episode. No, it's the whole You're thing. like, that's it, dude. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> great. Thank you. I really, I, I mean, for me, that was a, it was a, I don't know, it's, for me, it was like, I was definitely neurotic about it and. I uh, going public with my my sort of my 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 geeky and sort of whimsical sense of humor, like it, it felt like a risk for me. It's so is totally this something no. just to explain to people who might not know. Shame parties like this little series you did. You just did it at one point, not doing it. Anymore. Oh no, no, I got You're like doing... I got like there's 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 fourteen or fifteen that are actually been released. I shot twenty eight more. Oh really? A couple of months wow. ago. Amazing. I just took time off in preparation for this big oh, tour. That this is an ongoing happened. thing. So yeah, it's yeah. one minute little snippets, and they're like interviews in front of like a green screen. And yeah, exactly. Like somewhere in your mind. Yeah, in a exactly. Very strange with place conceptual with, voices, and also just like with people you know. And yeah, it says all the characters. amazing world of weirdos. Yeah, and amazingly uh, high uh, high end freaks that I know from the art and music yes. scene. Um, great. It's it's fascinating. It's been really interesting. Like, what I, sorry, I'm, I just no, go ahead, go ahead. It, but what I, what really blows my mind is like you get like you know Mia Hattori, Mia Hattori or and or whoever in here, and you're just like I'm gonna do one minute. Like yeah. that's a lot of work for one minute. No, no, like, it's great. It's no the, the whole thing about that is that the the interview itself. Yeah. Oh, of course, I edited him down a little bit because yeah. they asked maybe one or two questions or maybe yeah. three. Yeah. The interviews themselves are like five minutes. Okay, okay you're done. So it's you're like it's like assembly time. line. That's great. Which is cool. That's why I was I did 28 in a weekend. Oh, so you get people over and maybe they cross paths. And yeah, exactly. Like and just the whole thing. It's like oh, the in cool. and out because it is a shitload of work with yeah. it. Of course, with anything like with the editing and the yeah. fucking green screen and the yeah. sound stuff and the music and I. Uh, it was a cool. Can it people was, hear the effects on your voice? No, they, they can't. No. that's what I figured. I'm like, they're being amazingly cool about these they fucking chipmunk to, sounds that are coming. Getting out of interviewed you. by like a, 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 an like alien, a, like a squid or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so they good. wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to take it as seriously. It's so there, it's so good. It's a great idea. I love it. Thank you. for tons more content even though I'm like moving to fucking the outback of Australia I'm like I'm going offline completely but look right. out for tons of more content <laughs> exactly. every fucking day forever it's like because like, I hate the internet exactly but I love you and don't ever leave me alone because otherwise I'll die without your approval on your legs <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying it's like that's what I mean by being mentally ill yeah. especially in a branding I, I I don't know my whole thing what is it about oh god it's the uh, uh, the thing it's like people are able to identify themselves as being like these part part of a you know actually progressive up to date progressive like humane liberal human rights type of like a location in the culture based entirely through branding and optics yes you know in these short form just through optics which of course yeah. is nothing I'm not 
there's nothing it's nothing new obviously at the same time meanwhile they're actually still functionally fundamentally party to like a sinister earth-killing imperialist right. genocidal juggernaut like, like a like sinister, sinister earth-killing earth imperialist, imperialist genocidal, genocidal juggernaut exactly and it's in that fucking that's the thing that a part that i'm interested in is right. like how are you like if you, you just branded yourself on this team yeah i mean also like yeah. i mean like that's that part and certainly not like it freaks me out i've been thinking about this a lot lately because I don't want I don't want to live that way and I don't you know and well first of all let me go back the word branding have you ever thought about the word branding it bugs me so much yeah. that we use that word like gleefully when branding is something you fucking do to livestock or to slaves yeah. and we all just say cool do that to me now I is, want that, is that the origin of it yeah that is branding. The it's a I mean, brand I, I knew that you know psh, burning your skin with the fucking guy who owns you Ugh. that's what branding is and like we all want to be branded it's gross it's insane I know it's and really it's also nuts. like if you don't you're a fucking loser. Yeah, exactly. So that right there is very weird. It's like, I, I need to know what the essence of your quote brand is within ten seconds. Yeah. Otherwise, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Which is scary. Like, actually, what? No, I'm a person. I'm a human. Yeah. I'm also my uh, my art is like complicated, possibly a little more elaborate than that. Exactly. Or right. But it better not be. Otherwise, you know, we can't sell it to fucking it's Clear Channel. But what's really kind of scary about that is like I just read a uh, biography, autobiography of Michael Moore. And I love Michael Moore. I don't care what people think. Yeah. I think he's fucking a hero and he's yeah. amazing. And he's really smart and he's clever. And one of the things he really digs into is these kind of like wealthy liberals who just are just exactly the same as any other capitalist piece of shit. Yeah. But they just are on that team. And the way they make it work is they just give money to the right causes. And I just, I don't think that's enough. No. You know, it's no. just not enough. Definitely not. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that begs all sorts of questions about, like, yeah. what the next step is. I mean, that whole thing right. is, what are the kinds of things that it's going to take for people to, like, give up these toys and these tools and actually have the sense of, like, life-threatening urgency? They're right. like, if we don't get out there and start fucking blocking the freeways and shut down right. fucking whatever whatever do like, some boycotting yeah no I, i've been anything. saying this for years look at the french i mean the french are crazy they're the world-class complainers of the world i know because i'm i'm one of them but um they just shut shit down and things change the next day yeah. they just i mean it took them three weeks i i the whole gilet jaune thing i don't know if you know about it it confuses me i don't really understand it very well that's the recent thing in france yeah but what the French did, which they do all the time, is they're pissed. They get on the street. They shut the fucking country down. Yeah. And it and the government does what they want. We could do that here. We never fucking do that. Like, when's the last time so Americans you, have right, gone so you and me, on strike? Here we go. Here we go. What are we right, doing? So what we do is you and I go stand out on fucking the Pulaski out there yeah. and just get run With over. Sign. <laughs> get run over by a truck. Yeah, exactly. We started, though, and they we, were... It didn't the, the, work. The legacy well. lives on. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah, exactly right. Well, well, when I was in college, my uh, entire university went on and blocked. I went to UCSD in San Diego. We blocked the five freeway with bongo drums and shit because we were pissed about a fee hike at the university, which seems insane. But we shut down the freeway for four hours. Hundreds of thousands of people like like it fucked up their whole day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying like that kind of stuff is kind of cool. Like I like when people do shit like that. That yeah. really disrupts fucking industry. Yeah. And no, and knowing shuts which, things down. That's where the power is. That, that's, that's yeah. all we've got left. That's all we've got. I mean, like voting we have, but sustained nonviolent civil disobedience. Exactly. Now here, that sounds great. Here we are like in our, in a bubble. We're and in like, Brooklyn. Let's do it. Like <laughs> I'll get to it later. <laughs> like I've got so much to do. No, I mean like do. what's, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I'm not even, 
I'm not condemning anybody else. It is up to you. But look, like, what, that's what I'm saying. Have you ever thought about, think about everybody you know. Well, here's, would say the same thing. All right, what's it going to take? What do no, you, but listen, when I go on like, I, I go to like the Women's March or something and I see people like, oh, those people are being a little unruly. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. They're climbing on a thing. I say, that's cool. They're young. They're Let them do it. I'm not like, ooh, oh, that's not right. You shouldn't like walk, you know, stand on anybody's private property. Fuck that. This is a protest. No, I know. I, I applaud that. Maybe I'm not going to do it. But I have different reasons because I have kids, which is a whole other. The kids are going to jail too. The kids We're going to get them to do it. I get the kids with me and they write signs and we've done, I got my kids, you know, out there doing it, but. Let them write their own signs. They write signs, they believe do. me. Oh yeah, they're amazing. Did they we write went, signs that go against your signs? You know, they wrote, their signs were like, their signs, we went to the Women's March and they wrote, women, yay, Trump, boo. That was their sign. Yay, women. Boo, that Trump. It's a little binary, but I get it's it. Binary. I agree, though. They were five. Let's be, let's be, of course, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to critique them. It's not course. super complex, but. No, I mean, I know it's my only, I'm just kind of gently being like, kids with signs, they're like, yeah, mom and dad fucking told me how to do it. And like, of course. Oh, it's, I know. It's brainwashed. No, I mean, it's and fine. I've it's better. They're like, again, if you, if you saw the kids on the other side, you'd be like, how dare they? I took my kids <laughs> to an anti-gun uh, thing in my town. I live in like a redneck town in upstate. And there was like a gun control thing. And I brought my kids and people were like outraged that I would bring my kids to a political activist thing. They were just like, Oh, it's so terrible. You're just, no, I don't feel like that. It's you just, know, no, even it's just it. the thing with kids. It, again, it's like, it's the same thing. It's not even the same thing, of course, because in general, the political sentiment and also I, philosophically everything. I agree. I agree with your kids at the same time. When you <laughs> see kids at the KKK rally, you're like, they don't know. They don't know. But then that's yeah. you know really funny you say that because okay I was reading Michael Moore's book yesterday. I mean, they do know. I don't Michael know. Moore was in a movie, his very first film. He got kind of roped into being on in this documentary about a KKK about a KKK rally, and he's in it for a second. It's before he made Roger and Me, and it's all these people at a KKK rally, and there's little kids there. There's like two year olds, and I was like looking at them, watching them really carefully. I'm like, they don't know what the fuck's going on. They're just like seeing where the hot dog is that they could get, and where you know, so. Part of it is like, yeah, they're being brainwashed, but probably but you're they're just, just along for the ride. They're just exactly. along for the ride. Exactly. I don't have like I don't have a like a deep objection to it. Yeah. It's just funny when you see kids with signs because they're like, it's cute. Oh, it's cute. They're like a mascot. The <laughs> only reason I brought up that also is just just to sort of fuck with you because I've seen seen oh, you yeah. rant about the kid subject a lot, no, there's, and there's I completely am cool with it. No, I get it, man, because I was there like before I had him. I'm not. Uh, fundamentalist about it no, I mean, <laughs> in any way i don't know i mean there's it's 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 complicated because the world is in a very dark place no, i mean like my thing I, of course this is this is a little it's a it's a it's it's sort of it's a little polemical it's, it's supposed to be provocative but like you know my shorthand humor i have is like okay you're having kids they can never own a car they can never eat meat. They can't buy any plastic. Right. You can never do that. That's the deal. They can never. Because you're just own... adding to the problem. No, I'm just saying, like, you're the idea two more that they're going to have all the resources that you and I had. Oh, you're saying, oh, they're in trouble. Yeah. No. I thought you meant, no, no, thank this... you for wa- creating more waste no, no, monsters. No, I'm just saying, if you, as the parent, that's yeah. your responsibility. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. You can't, like, a. Uh, you know, like that's the like. Okay, you're saying great. when they're Congratulations older. Congratulations on your new kid. Just so you know, they're never allowed to buy a car or use a car. Why? Because like they're the they're the, the 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 fucking earth and the actual resources that exist on that scale can't possibly handle it. Oh, I'm saying I the see. idea assumption is like, oh, I have a kid. They're going to be able to do everything that I do. Right. That's ridiculous. 
Right. Of course, There's people are like, understandably, like, kind of willfully, you know, sort of like selectively <laughs> ignorant uh, about it. Well, you were nor- normally, understandably, I'm not even, I can't, that's what I'm saying. I, I know, I understand, but the, the, the other thing, of, but then that wouldn't, wouldn't that just be an argument for suicide? <laughs> it's already happening. Civilization's going down. Yeah. Like, it's not like, it's not like, technology won't save us. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just saying it's not. There's a, there's incredible this open-eyed just reality to suggest that at the rate we're going, unless there's some kind of like shamanic fucking psychedelic revolution with people right. where everybody like stops fucking eating meat and driving and everybody has like some kind of like worldwide epiphany that like, you know, whatever, that the capitalism, imperialism run amok the way that it is. And unless we have some catastrophic wake-up calls, which is possible, which is already happening, might uh might, at the best, might jar people into like mass civic cooperation. Right. In which case, where everybody stops traveling and stops eating meat mm-hmm. and stops traveling. Right. Like, and all, especially the elites and the rich people who are actually, you know, really responsible for like, you know, right. the, the gratuitous and absolute grotesque. But uh, see, that's a solution. I like that. Where you're going with that. I'm yeah. a little bit of more of an optimist, I guess, where I think like. That's what we have to do. And also, this is my thing because I brought two kids into the yeah. world. So now I have to kind of try to come up with solutions. So yeah. less traveling, no meat eating. Yeah. Cool. Fine. Start so, now. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the point, but then my but then my next thing is how do you make that happen? Well, we've talked about like sitting on the freeway and like trying to fucking, you know, uh, pummel people into uh, leaders into thinking about it. Does voting even work? Is that like uh, a thing? Well, do course, you vote? Obviously, yes. Okay. You have to, yeah, of course, within the existing channels. Mm-hmm. The channels that exist, right. obviously, not only not only nationally, which is much more problematic, especially with the electoral college, right. but on a local level, absolutely. Okay. In terms of making sure that abortion doesn't become right. illegal and that, like, you know, that like healthcare is in, in, whatever that it, they don't teach, of like, course, every, as much you know, as possible. It, it actually civic in, or whatever. Yeah. involvement and engagement has to happen on that level. At the same time, don't like hang too much fucking hope or optimism on that. Peer pressure podcast brought to you by Russia. Blizzitsa era. You know, there's a, uh, it's just Chalmers Johnson, who is a author and a scholar. And, uh, you know, he just basically did a broad paraphrase of him. It's just about knowing how empires fail. Right. Like, uh, you can't, his basic idea is that you can't have a tyranny abroad and democracy at home. Right. It doesn't work. Right. So it's in that context that you're like, okay, well, we're like, I feel better about this now. But meanwhile, this is my thing. I mean, this is again, we're this, still supporting massive. Yeah, and also, like, I mean, this is the thing in a, in a way, like, you, like, a, you know, whatever we obviously are going to pay our taxes because you don't get to get fucking thrown in jail right. or actually be a tax objector. Those are the people that actually put their morals where their mouth is. Yeah. Of course, I'm not going to do that. It scares the shit out of me. Right. I'm fucking, I am scared. I thought scared about of that a lot. Blah, blah, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Like, but, uh, you know, like, it's the idea of like, is your right to health care, I mean, this is a, kind of a false equivalency. I'm, I'm, I'm prefacing it by saying right. that. But the larger picture context is like, is someone's right to health care more important than the life of a civilian who we bombed? Right. Like, that's the thing for me. It's like, you know, some of, some of, the, some of these people that are regarded as being like, you know, are the hard hopes on the Democratic side are themselves long-time uncritical hawks. And like right. in, in, some in actual, of them are, but champ- not all of them. No, I mean, but I'm just saying, it's getting better. Right now. I really think there's no, some. I'm just saying candidates. the people, the people that are actually like they're true socialists and possibly right. the, you know, those people actually the, the ones that are saying like, you know, no, we're not going to fucking like Hewlett Packard and Raytheon and the military industrial arms complex. 
those people have to go. Right. Those people would be like, mm, you know what? We're not going to like let you guys be get power. too much traction. Like, yeah. I mean, even though whatever, for whatever you want to say about it, even though it's certainly not as black and white simple as this or idealistic, but it's closer to someone like Bernie who was actually yeah, like, exactly. you know what I mean? Who was actually. Or like, Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, I right. Like I mean, even she further to the left and, you know, it's great. Yeah. If you're not talking about imperialism and colonialism and empire and occupation right. and institutional racism yeah. and colonialism right. upon which you know which is predicated upon institutional racism then you're not putting things in the proper larger picture context not only politically or philosophically, but also historically. Right. So you can't compartmentalize. You ought not compartmentalize those things. It's like, well, we have to deal with all this stuff first. No, it's all connected. And in fact, our country and our economy is entirely being bankrupted by those, you know, by those institutions. Right. And obviously, there's trillions of dollars being spent on all that shit while there's not enough money for anything here. And so that conversation, right. it, it, as long as that conversation, as long as that stays disconnected, then I don't think that people are really going to be able to have like sort of the the be able to put things in the proper context enough to possibly at best galvanize them to be like, oh, the stakes are. I think some people are, are having that conversation. Yeah. Uh, and that's well, what I like. You know, yeah. I want to find those people. And well, I'm sort of here we are. For them. And here <laughs> we. But I mean, also people who, wish, who, who are crazy enough to want to like have a life in politics or whatever, you know, and be part of the decision making process. <laughs> we're both fleeing the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the writings on the wall. <laughs> yeah. I don't, no, I don't want to be cynical. Talk. It's horrible. I, I always think to... like, oh man, this is kind of just like a fun question, but yeah. if you saw who's like your most annoying politician that you see in the paper and you're like, oh God, this fucking person just makes me cringe. Who the worst? Yeah, the worst. Uh Mitch McConnell. Yeah, me too. So say you saw Mitch McConnell at a restaurant in like Manhattan. Would you say something to him? And what would you say? Mm, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he deserves like a, he deserves some uh, pie. Yeah. Or something. Not yeah. piss because that's too mean. Yeah. But he pie. definitely deserves. He deserves shit. Face. He deserves shit. Yeah. He doesn't deserve to be beat up or killed or anything like right. that. He, de- he definitely deserves to be embarrassed. Right. At the very least, if not right. fully confronted. But well, because there's this thing yeah. of like Washington where it's like they're Paul just doing Ryan their job too, and it's just a sporting event. And it's like, no, it's not dude, fucking Pence, sport. Paul Pence. Ryan. Oh. oh my God. These people that, I mean, whatever. It's just, it's just generic. These are generic, like, out. No, it's not generic outrage because it's legit. It's totally. The thing that's the most infuriating to me is the level of cynicism and just craven uh, cynicism yeah. that all these people are like, let Trump just run around and be a total. Doofus. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're actually like, you know, they're drilling in the fucking it. national yeah. parks and everything like yeah. that. They, it's all, it's all, it's all long game. Yeah. And like, and plus they're all evangelical fucking racist, sexist fucking sociopaths. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, you know, I'd like to say that to them in the, at the restaurant. Yeah. No, I want to, I mean, I, I honestly like, he deserves it. He, I, I, you know, yeah, he deserves to get punched in the fucking face. Oh, but at I the know. same time, you just you, you you know you lose credibility when you do that. That's true. Some you degree. do. Depends. Depends who you are. Again, that's debatable. Some people be like, you know what? Based on the amount of harm, yeah, and uh, damage that's, that he's actually that's done. That's getting off least, easy. That's yeah, getting no, off nothing. really easy. If you're Paul you know, Ryan. Yeah, but you know, um, he can be thrown. He can just be you know thrown in the water or something. <laughs> um. So like we got into. I I feel like your uh, musical thing. Like we got into. Uh, Chibamato, and then you've done all this solo stuff since then, all yes. this really amazing stuff. Thank you. And then, um, and Netherlands has been for a while. How long yes. have you been doing that? Uh, I mean, I started in the mid aughts. It's really, I would say, properly when I really got my mind together to actually organize it into 
a really proper thing was around 2010. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a little while. And um, you just put out an EP with that, and there's several. There's another LP. The most recent thing we did was an LP. It's called Black Gaia. Yeah. Which is you know about that. Yes. <laughs> that the stuff we were talking about. Yes. Um, yeah. Cheerful stuff. Uh, no, but it's it's really cool, and um, I'm curious, like how how do you feel about just the world of putting out music now as a musician, like in the uh, world we live in, like what do you do? I mean, you put out all this great stuff. You put, a, I think a lot of it's out on Bandcamp and kind of yeah, free or streaming. No, I mean, all of no, it, it's all there's, for it's sale. Spotify, yeah. which is Highway Robbery, and it's right. also the only game in town. Da, right. da, da, it's the metric I was gonna by, ask you by which you actually have to, that game you have to play in order exactly. to, you know, sort of register on the radar of possibly other, you know, groups of sponsors or benefactors or whatever, right. like other booking agencies or labels anything like that you know have to indicate your growing fan base otherwise it's on Bandcamp, which is the way to go because you know the artist gets the biggest chunk do you make any vinyl i have yeah uh only with netherlands there's been uh there's been two there's been two silicon vapor which is the double album that we did in 2014 and then most recently we made black guy of vinyl cool with limited edition they're very yeah. nice yeah that's well, awesome you know, um and you have a record, you kind of have your own record label. Or record I do. Imprint. It's called Records, Records and, and Tapes Records. And it's tapes really records. like, it's I not, it's, thank you. It's, so it's, it's one of those things from like, you know, like Pothead from 2000. <laughs> like, I'm going to have a label. In, in name, I've had it for a long time. And then I actually sort of finally incorporated it. It's really just my little boutique mm-hmm. home platform. Yeah. Um, and it's not, there's not some, there, it doesn't have like some kind of a uh, greater platform. Do you yet. actually put out tapes? Uh, I have, I'm going to, yeah. Really? I have like, they've done some super limited edition stuff. And nice. I mean, I can, you can't see it. I actually have a, I have tape decks. Oh yes, I see These, a tape they're deck They're not right ironic tape decks. I have, I have tape fucking, I have, I actually have all my, cause I'm that old. I still have all my tapes. Oh yeah, me too. You know I what I mean? Tapes. So if you have, make a tape, I can play it. It's not like, what is this? Where's yeah. the download code? I know, I know. <laughs> I have three fucking full... There's two full solo albums and a solo EP already in the can. I have three albums already just in the can on the shelf that I wow. regard as being as good as anything. It's like my best work, whatever. Yeah. I'm about to... Making another Netherlands LP, which will be done at the end of March. Are you going to do any shows? Uh, with the for next one is, I think, March 13th at St. Vitus. Oh, nice. Uh, you know... Yeah, I mean, we're generally playing... a. Well, be... I'm going to put this out before then, and yeah. I'm going to go to that show. Amazing. Be Come awesome. on down. Yeah, man. That's going to be cool. But I also just want to ask you about some other, just like looking through your whole thing. You did some stuff with Jonas Police Woman. She's amazing. Yeah, she's I really great. like her. I got to perform she's... with her a couple times back in the day with like Joe McGinty. With yeah. the... Did you ever do the Loser's Lounge stuff? No, I didn't know about it, of course. I yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. tours i play on a couple of the records mm-hmm. just do some good it was on the in the band i played or on one of the i played bass on on one of the tours and then i did a kind of a duet tour with her 
where I play drums and oh, I saw a video of you guys in a stairway doing a oh yeah, that was Sonic right. Youth cover. Yes, that's that was right. amazing. Thank you, Love Sacred that. Trickster. That were one. you guys just on tour, the two of you on that? We did. That was oh, our wow. duet tour. It was called the Interpretation Domination Tour. I think it was 2011. Wow, uh, where we did a bunch of covers and but you know it was sort of like a we actually had the Tascam four track as our as our band. Oh really? You know we kind of re- we recorded like really kind of simple. Uh, uh, minimal version rhythm section versions with the four tracks so I was able to play bass and guitar and drums and sing and ukulele and whatever wow you know. with over a four track with a four track we had wow. tapes we had tapes for each song I had to like that was Split part of the show the was actually like and now the next song and it's like click oh that's great make sure to rewind stuff before the <laughs> next show that's great and um it do you know Petra Hayden? Have you ever I done do. stuff with her? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know from back in the day. I haven't seen her. I haven't. I haven't played with her with Chibamato. Oh, she was. Back, she played with Chibamato. Oh, she, she did. She's she's done various projects with Yuka Honda. Okay. I think she is called she, one or, one or one of their bands is called If by Yes. I know. I like that band. Yeah. Um, I love Petra. If you're there, I love you. She's amazing. She she's is great. Maybe genius. someday I'll get to talk to her on this podcast. Yeah, great. Just throwing it out there. Hint, hint. Look out for it in your inbox, Petra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spoiler. And then yeah, Kristen McCord. Do you know? Do oh yeah, I made Kristen? a couple of records. She's a cello player. Right? Yes. Yeah, she's a friend of mine. We used to play together. Yeah. I was. It was nice to see her. Her name. Yeah. So we have we are we have our duet. Our band is called oh, Biker Period. Really? Yeah. Biker we, Period. That's yeah. The two Biker of Period. You? Yeah. Oh no way. We have two records. The first one is a guitar and kind of cello improvisation with a bunch of overdubs by me, and the second one is uh, like mostly like a it's sort of like a sad synthy makeout album. That sounds. It's like, like a doomy synthy. It's like a sad Eno makeout Kristen. album. Yeah. Which is cool. They're really good. I like them. Love it. Hi, Kristen. Hi. <laughs> if you're listening, she's out there. Um, cool. There was a there was a fair amount of licensing that's gotten happened with that's happened with those stuff because really? people love that stuff because it's like kind of that moody, yeah, cello and then synth stuff, which is like, oh, this is nice or it whatever. Feels pleasant. You know, my stuff is often a lot more confrontational. <laughs> love it. In many cases. Well, man, I think we covered it. I think this is good. I love you. I know. Uh, I just you know, thank you. I think hope so. Are you saying I love you to me, or are you saying I, everybody? <laughs> so I, I'm saying I'm trying to disclaim everything. If you don't like me, She's I'm sorry. I'm just doing my best. I'm also high on fucking caffeine, so bear with me. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Pierce. Thank you so that was much. Fun. Can you edit the shit out of this? So I'm gonna edit like it so you sound fucking... like some other guy, like an intelligent, okay, exactly. All the shit. All person. the shit where. Where, where, totally where, whatever person. I said sounded like terrible or was talking shit or that I sounded like entitled or something like that. I mean, get I'm going to have to like do some serious edit where it's like, no, I'm just going to take your actual senses and just like, categorize all the words and then put it back together into other sentences that I'm going to write. Totally fine. Afterwards. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. That sounds good to me. That's the kind of thing I would do. I know. Have you seen my talk show, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good, bring it. Yeah, okay, perfect. Uh, that's amazing. Pierre, thank you so much. Thank you, I Tim love up. you. Peace, goodwill. Also, look out for all you know, high shit if you care at all. You know? Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Peace. Later. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my conversation with Timo Ellis. That was fun. I enjoyed that very much. That is the first time... The expression sinister, sinister earth-killing, imperialist, imperialist genocidal, genocidal juggernaut was ever mentioned on 
my podcast, I believe maybe it will become a catchphrase. Maybe it'll be a thing that people make t-shirts of. It'll be a bumper sticker. I think it's a really kind of apt description of certain parts of our world and our system and where things are going. But I want to be optimistic that things will turn around. Hopefully, the world will not end in a sludge-filled fireball of dinosaur-like extinction for human beings, but maybe it will. Sooner or later, that probably will happen, but I hope you all have a great day before that happens, and a great year, and a very impeaching year. So, everyone, Happy New Year. Talk to you later. Au revoir.